well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. Hope you had a good Christmas. Um, obviously, you probably got some gifts on Christmas. And I've got three kids, and this past couple weeks they had saved up some money, and so they bought a Nintendo Switch, which is a, a video game system. And so for Christmas morning, each of them got their own video game. Now, my youngest son, Houston, who's five, he has this obsession, I guess is the word, over bad guys. He loves the villains, and so all of the character toys he gets, they're bad guy villains. I've Googled this, if I should be concerned. The answer is probably. And so he just, he loves the villains. And so the video game that we got him, they have this video game called Lego Villains. And it's like these DC villains. Anyways, and so we put the video game in, and the first thing that you do is you create your own villain. And so this is like the most amazing thing in the world to him. And so he's creating his bad guy, and you create what your Lego bad guy looks like. And so he gives him this bright red hair, and he puts this bright red ninja mask on the bad guy. And so he parts, starts putting all the other costume stuff. There's a cape, there's a, a baseball bat, and a superpower with it. And so finally at the end, you have to name your villain. And so I'm like, Houston, what do you want to name your bad guy? And he says, I want to name my villain the virus. The virus, which I was like, that's that's a great bad guy name for 2020. And as I was kind of thinking about that, laughing about it, and I was telling my wife and my parents about it, and I cut, I got to thinking, like, wow, what a what a name for 2020. It kind of uh, just describes the year that we've been in. Probably not a name he would have thought of a year ago, but really the virus has kind of been this bad guy we've been facing. So someone, Houston, is fighting the bad guy, or maybe he is the bad guy in this scenario. But this idea of the virus. This villain that we're facing uh, is something that feels real for this past year. And thankfully, our year is coming to an end. 2020 is coming to an end. We're at the last Sunday of the year. And God has given us a lot of grace to face the difficulties of this past year. May God also grant us vision to see all the possibilities of the next year. And when the year has been good, blessed be the name of the Lord. And when the year is difficult, blessed be the name of the Lord. And we can know this with certainty, that even if God gives us nothing else in our life, even if God offers us nothing else in this lifetime, that's okay, because God has already given us everything when he sent his son to earth. God sent his son out of his own grace, even though we didn't deserve it, He sent his son Jesus to earth so that we could have a relationship with him. And over the past four weeks, we've been going through this series of heaven came down and the idea about God coming to earth and looking at John chapter 1 and how John describes Jesus coming to earth. In the first week, I talked about how if you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Jesus is who God is. And we can know everything we want to know about God by looking at the life of Jesus, how he lived, how he acted, how he interacted with others. We can know what God wants for our life by looking at Jesus. And there's a story about a World War II soldier. 
And he tells his wife and his infant son, bye. And he says, I'll be back soon before leaving to go off to war. Four years of war and fighting went by. And the young mother would show the son a picture of his dad. And she would say to the son, see, this is your daddy. One day, he's going to come home. In reality, she didn't know what to expect. One morning, the boy said, Mommy, wouldn't it be great if Dad would just step out of that picture frame? In a sense, that's what God did 2,000 years ago. As part of his eternal plan, he stepped out of heaven and became a man so you and I could see Jesus, could look at Jesus and say, that's what God looks like. The Apostle John described the stepping out in John chapter 1, verse 14. And this is the verse that I really want us to think about this morning. John says this in this verse. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This verse is the high point of John's prologue as John completes his introduction of Jesus by proclaiming His humanity in the midst of his divinity. This verse contains the truth behind the story of the angels and shepherds and the wise men and the journey to Bethlehem that that first Christmas morning. And without this verse, the rest of the story loses a lot of its meaning. John 1.14 tells us what really happened 2,000 years ago and what it means to us today. And to me, the key words that we find here in this passage are the two words, grace and truth. This verse reveals, I believe, four great certainties. That Jesus became human, that Jesus lived among us, that Jesus revealed his glory, and that Jesus invites us to himself. And so I want us to look at each of these four truths, these four certainties that are found in this passage. And so the first, Jesus became human. John states that the word became flesh. And there's a link here with John chapter 1, verse 1. That verse said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we see this connection that the Word that always was now became an event at a point in history. And the Word that was God now came into being as flesh, meaning he exists as a human being. We often say that Jesus is God, and that's true, but this is an incredible statement. God became Jesus of Nazareth. And when he stepped out, Jesus Christ became the visible expression of the invisible God. He became this visual aid. I love love visual aids. They help me out a lot. And this visual aid of Jesus reveals the nature of the Father. He was God in a suit of flesh. He was God expressing himself in a language that we could understand. He was God announcing to the world, I have come. Theologians refer to this action as the incarnation, which we've talked a little bit over the past couple weeks. And this is a hard concept for us to understand. In fact, many debates have transpired in the early church as to what it really meant. Some people said Jesus wasn't really a man, he just looked like a man. Others said that he had a body of a man but didn't have a human soul. Still others said Jesus was two people in one body, some sort of half man, half God. And unbelievers said that all of this is nonsense, that Jesus wasn't God at all. They claimed he was an ordinary person like you and me, with a sin nature like everyone else on the planet Earth. All those ideas are wrong. When Jesus stepped out, the infinite God took on the form of a tiny, unborn baby boy. The Son did not cease to be God when he became a man. He added humanity, but he didn't subtract his deity. He was fully God and fully man. 
And so think about that for a minute. The almightiness of God moved in a human arm. The love of God now beat in a human heart. The wisdom of God now spoke from human lips. And the mercy of God reached out from human hands. Jesus was God wrapped in human flesh. Imagine a story, if this visual aid helps, imagine a story of a little girl laying in bed at night and there's this huge thunderstorm happening outside. The lightning is, is evident from the window. The thunder is loud. And so the girl calls out to her dad and her dad's in the next room. The dad comes in and says, listen, honey, God loves you and will take care of you. Another bolt of lightning, another clap of thunder, and it causes the little girl to cry out again, Daddy, Daddy. And the dad comes in and gives the same response. Honey, God loves you and will take care of you. Well, the storm continues to rage on, and the frightened girl yells out again. The dad comes in the room, gives the same response. But this time the girl replies, Listen, Daddy, I know that God loves me, but right now I need someone with skin on. When Jesus stepped out, he was God with skin on. God became a man in human flesh. And so if we're looking at these certainties that we can find from John chapter 1, verse 14, the first is that Jesus became human, and the second is that Jesus lived among us. Notice the next phrase of John chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, it reveals the residence of God on earth. It says, he made his dwelling among us. The word dwell literally meant to pitch a tent. The theological way to define it is to tabernacle. In fact, the tabernacle, that's sometimes called the tent of meeting because it was the divinely appointed meeting place between God and man. In the same way, but in a much deeper sense, Jesus is the place where we meet God. Eugene Peterson paraphrases John chapter 1, verse 14 this way, and I like the way he phrases it. He says, The word became flesh and blood, It's on the next slide. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. For 33 years, God moved into our cul-de-sac. He walked down our street. When he stepped out, Jesus lived among us. Why? This idea of tabernacling, of, of pitching a tent among us, it implies that God wants to be on familiar terms with us. He wants to be close to us. He wants a lot of interaction with us. If you were to go into a community and you were to build a huge mansion and then put up a huge wall around that mansion, you're probably communicating something. You're probably saying that you don't really want to be bothered by people. But if you set up a tent in my backyard, you'll probably use my bathroom in my house. You'll probably eat at my table often. You'll probably play with the neighborhood kids. This this is why God became human. He came to pitch a tent in our human backyard so that we would have a lot of dealings and interactions with him. And I'm so thankful for that. Third certainty from John chapter 1, verse 14, is that Jesus revealed his glory. And so next, John speaks in that passage in John 1, 14, he speaks of this manif- manifestation of God's glory. It says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. When John writes and he says, we have seen, he's using a word that means to gaze intently upon, almost to study as in a laboratory. It's a word from which we get the English word theater. The word glory refers to this visible manifestation 
of God's presence and God's power. And it carries with it this idea of weight and importance. And so let's go on and read verse 15 and 16. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And then verse 16. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. When Jesus stepped out, when he walked on the earth, people could see him. They could gaze upon God's presence shining through him. They saw the importance of God in their lives. And just so there was no mistake, John recorded, after this passage here, he records seven signs and miracles in his gospel that openly declared the glory of God. We see Jesus' first miracle of turning water into wine. John tells us in chapter 2, verse 11, he says, He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. It is through Jesus that the glory of God is revealed. Jesus was not invisible, nor was he obscure. When you look at Jesus, you see the face of God. God wants to be seen. God wants to be known in his Son. And when you hear Jesus teach, you hear God teach. When you come to experience Jesus, you experience God. In Jesus, we see God, and we see God's glory. And then the fourth certainty from John chapter 1, verse 14, is that Jesus invites us to himself. Finally, this verse ends with this powerful word of invitation. It tells us that Jesus came to the earth full of grace and truth. When he stepped out, Jesus offered grace and truth. And these two great words are paired together, and it's important that they are. Grace without truth just isn't the same. It's too sentimental. It doesn't carry enough weight with it. And truth without grace can appear to be way too inflexibly rigid. And so these two words explain why Jesus stepped out, explain why he came to earth. Because he was full of grace, he died for you and me while we were still sinners. And because he was full of truth, because he was full of truth, he was able to pay for our sins completely. And so here is the good news for people like us. Because Jesus is graceful, we can come just as we are to him. We don't have to clean ourselves up first. And because Jesus is full of truth, we can come in complete confidence knowing that he will keep his promises. When he promises a complete pardon for your sins, he means it. And so the one present, the one gift that the world needs is grace and truth. And we find it in Jesus Christ. In bringing us grace, he changed the world. He said that we can never do enough to be truly good, but we could share his goodness and accept his gift that he offered. In his coming to earth, he took away any other solution for the misery of humanity. No wealth or position could cure our loneliness. No rule or law could overcome our weakness. No pain, or sorry, no plan or good deed could earn our healing. Only the gift that he brought, only himself. And so, because of this, there are some implications. What are the implications of this? What does all this mean for us? The fact that Jesus came, that he stepped out, that he was God in human flesh, there are some implications. So I want to look at them pretty quickly. There's five that I believe from this. First is this. One, Jesus is here. Jesus came in the midst of our loneliness and the horror of a world gone mad, a broken world full of sin, and yet in the chaotic and the confusion, Jesus announced that God is here. And so when we ask ourselves the question, especially over this past year, where in the world is God? God is here in Christ. Number two, Jesus is real. When Jesus became a man, he showed that God was not 
merely a principle, but a person? That God was not a myth, but a man who was God at the same time? Not a figment of someone's imagination, but a living presence? Jesus was not an idea of God. He wasn't a picture of God, but God himself in human form, he was real. Third implication, Jesus wants to be involved. Jesus is not like some distant relative that you see every couple of years. He wants to take up residence in your life. He wants to be the go-to person of your life. He wants to be engaged and involved. Most often, we think about God as being up there, far removed from the cares and the concerns of this created world. But because Jesus became a man, God came down here, living in our midst. We could never reach him up there, but his in love, he came down here to us. He became touchable, approachable, and reachable. Fourth implication is that Jesus identifies with our pain. In the act of becoming human, he identified with our pain. The pain of loneliness, he felt it. The hurt of rejection, he felt it. The sadness of losing a loved one, he felt it. The scars of mental or physical abuse, he felt those. When Jesus became a man, he understood us, he identified with us, he felt our pain, and he hurt. We have a Savior who understands everything that we're going through. And the last thing is that Jesus offers grace. In other words, the one gift that we all need for all of eternity can be found at only one source. The gift is salvation. The giver is Jesus. He is the one present that you can't live without. The one who met the conditions of God for the payment of your sins and now offers forgiveness on the basis of his grace. Jesus stepped out of heaven coming for you and he brings with him the amazing gifts of grace and truth. To me this past week with Christmas and thinking about Jesus coming to earth, God coming to earth in the form of Jesus, it reminds me that what I've been given in Jesus is so much more than anything that the world has to give us. This past year, the world has given us a lot of hurt and pain. We've been facing this villain, right, the virus. We've been facing a lot of loneliness and hurt and distance from those that we love. And so the world does not have anything to offer us. It is only in Jesus that we can have what we need. And it's in Jesus that we can find grace and truth. This morning, if you're here and you're searching for something and you want to have a conversation, you maybe need encouragement, maybe you need prayers of the body of believers here, we want to offer you an invitation to come forward and receive that. Or maybe you're here and you realize that you need Christ in your life and you want to take him on in baptism. We want to give you that opportunity as well. Whatever you need this morning, however we can help you, won't you come now as together we stand and sing.